Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room, the free audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. I'll be hosting rooms every week, so make sure to download the iOS app and sign up today. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wes Goldberg for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. And on today's show, the Nets take care of business against the Timberwolves. Russell Westbrook goes off for a crazy triple-double, and we get to some answers about Andre Drummond's role with the Lakers. But we begin today with a question. Are buyouts ruining the NBA? In a column for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck quotes a team executive as saying, quote, this is creating a competitive advantage for the large destination markets, and it's another inequity for the small markets. David, does this executive have a point? Absolutely not. What uh, Howard and the three executives that he interviews for the piece failed to mention is that all these players that were joining the big market teams were bought out by small market teams because those small market teams are run badly. It has nothing to do with being in a small market so much as it has a lot to do with just being a pretty crappy franchise that pays too much for bad players. Think of Blake Griffin getting a huge contract with the Detroit Pistons. Now, obviously, he was traded for, he lived up to that contract early on, and then he got hurt. Nobody can fault the Pistons for you know wanting to get rid of a player like Griffin, but he wasn't doing anything there. They were moving on. They bought him out. He accepted the deal, and it worked out pretty well. Think of uh, Gorky Dang from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, I, I mean, another player that got bought out, Andre Drummond by the Cleveland Cavaliers, that are clearly rebuilding. It has nothing to do with big markets or small markets. Just a team that sucks and is managed badly, and that's why they're losing. All of a sudden, having to pay a player that doesn't fit their long-term plans. Just sounds like a guy covering a big market team, David. That's what you sound like. Uh, <laughs> I No, I have to agree with you. And you make a good point. And the other thing I was thinking, too, is when Brooklyn was not good, nobody right. was signing with the Nets. When the Lakers were not good, none of these buyout players were signing with the Lakers. So it not only is it like nobody's go, nobody's flocking to the Knicks just yet, even if they are a playoff team, right? It's just because the, the Lakers and the Nets – are favorites to win a championship. Right. And that's why you have these guys leaving their current situations on losing teams. Andre Drummond with with Cleveland, uh, Blake Griffin, and Detroit. You mentioned the, like just bottom-dwelling teams that are not just losing, but losing because they aren't being run well, and there's no hope for those teams. So, of course, they negotiate buyouts, and what, and what do you want to do when you leave a bad team that's dysfunctional? You want to go to a good team that is functional, and that's what the Lakers and the Nets are right now. And so that, that's really what we're talking about here. Look, the Warriors, they're in a big market in San Francisco. They used to be the team getting all the buyout players. They used to be the team that was DeMarcus Cousins was calling in free agency and saying, hey, I want to play with you, and I would do it for the minimum. Sure. Right? And now they're not getting any of these buyout guys. You know, Miami, they're not even in the conversation. Miami just went to the finals, and they, they thought they were getting LaMarcus Aldridge, and he's going to go to Brooklyn instead. And so it's not... It, look, you can have we can have that conversation about why did Kevin Durant choose Brooklyn? Why did LeBron James choose the Lakers? And yeah, those two players flocked to bigger markets, but uh, and have played for another other large markets in, in in their career and other small markets in their career, right? With LeBron in Cleveland and Durant in OKC, so they obviously prefer the big market. Uh, and this has been a problem in the NBA for a, for a while. I'm not saying that it's not an issue. 
but I'm not going to overreact to the buyout market. Also, because we're talking about ultimately Andre Drummond, who I thought we all agreed was not good, and Blake <laughs> Griffin, who I thought we all agreed was washed, and LaMarcus Aldridge, who I thought we all agreed was washed three years ago, and, and now everybody's up in arms because they're big names, even if they're not nearly as effective players as they once were. I've had to defend Miami not uh, that their season isn't exactly falling apart as a result of not getting LaMarcus Aldridge at this point in his career or even Blake Griffin, and now still fending off Boogie Cousins to Miami drives. I, I, I don't understand what the fan base is seeing there other than name recognition. I tweeted this out earlier. Like I just don't see what Cousins, after years of fighting injuries, of proving that he can't really play at this level right now and perhaps never again, what he's going to bring to a team that sees themselves as a, t- a title contender or even have a deep playoff run. Like I didn't realize you were getting, I didn't realize you were getting the DeMarcus Cousins questions too. My entire Twitter thing this morning was DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors. I'm yeah. like, wait, why? We did that already. We, we already have done that. Yeah. Didn't work out then At either. least the Heat have never tried it yet. You're right. Yeah, I, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge, that he was this close to signing with Miami and then saw a six-game losing streak and said, you know what, maybe Brooklyn has a better chance of actually making it to the finals. And that's what it's all about. And you're, I'm glad you brought that point up about Brooklyn, too, because I was just thinking about that. Nobody was talking about Brooklyn being a big market team when they sucked, you know, when they didn't have a big three or, you know, Kevin Durant or James Harden or even Kyrie Irving there. Nobody was talking about them as a big market team. They were scrappy and living in the Knicks' shadow, even though the Knicks had been a terrible team. And look up at the Knicks as a big market team, not luring any uh, buyout market players. This is right. so ridiculous. It seems like Howard Beck, you know, I know they have to crank out a, a, a column every week. It just seemed like he ran out of ideas and was like, you know what? The buyout market's kind of a big deal right now. Let's write about this. I, I liked the, the topic in general, and it was a nice opportunity for small market executives to, to you know, Cry. put their complaints into the, into the complaint box, right? Yeah. Uh, but... Well, there was an interesting. I, I love part the comment from it. the from the the guy who says, "Oh, you know, the league doesn't care and doesn't think too much about it that they're not you know, actually taking any activity or action against it." It's like, yeah, because it's not that big a deal, dude. That's why they're not doing anything about it. That's right. It's LeBron James didn't get bought out and then joined Brooklyn Nets. That's not what happened. Um, <laughs> I, one, there was an interesting part there though, where Howard Beck does astutely point out that this buyout market thing. I found this interesting. That the idea of a buyout market is right. relatively new, right? And, and he mentioned some nexus search and, and stuff. Like, it wasn't even really a term used in the NBA lexicon uh, until about 2016. Right. And since then, it's sort of become a thing. And, it was and so amnesty that, that before is, that, right? Wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. I think that's, that's interesting in that he also points out that there's nothing in the CBA that outlines what a buyout market might be where you have an NBA draft in the CBA and you have waiver wires in the CBA and you have obviously the the, the big free agency, offseason free agency in the NBA, but you don't have really anything defined in regards to uh, what this midseason free agency is, which it kind of has become, and it's exciting. But I, I thought that, and he laid out some ideas that executives have proposed in order to make it more structured. Like maybe you get a, compensa- a compensatory pick if you're one of the teams that, bu- if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers and you buy out Andre Drummond, maybe you get some sort of comp pick, something like they do in the NFL, or or right. some, or you have you be, you get limited to a certain you know paywall for these players, or you have a specific exception that you get to use for the quote unquote buyout. So you get a buyout market exception. Do you like any of those ideas? The buyout market <laughs> exception to me was was pretty interesting. I don't like any of the ideas that actually limit where the player can go because I do think ultimately the player should be able to decide 
where he wants to play if that team wants to sign him. Uh, no, I, I mean, rewarding a bad team for making a bad decision and still having to be on the books for it and then say, look, woe is me. I have to pay Blake Griffin $80 million over the next you know year just because I don't want him on the, on the books any longer from beyond this season is it, not – you know, a deserving of an extra draft pick or anything like that. You know what your your reward is? Being a crappy team and being in the lottery and competing for a top five draft pick. That's what your reward is. That's why you got rid of Griffin in the first place, not getting an extra pick. To me, if anything, maybe like some kind of a, a draft. If you're gonna get a, if you're gonna be a bought out player, then enter into a draft where like other teams, you know, having to clear waiver wires or something like that, where like a team might be able to select you and then just kind of bring you aboard. But that kind of limits their their their. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't want. I don't want them to be limited. I want it to be a real free agency. And 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 look, I understood the point of some small market executives were like, "Wait, this wasn't in the CBA. I didn't know we had this other sort of fake free agency." And so you know, you have these teams being able to plan for it and and take advantage of it, and we can't. I was like, "Well, that has nothing to do with you being a small market team or a large market team. That just has. That's just you not planning ahead." That's I want to know who these me. execs are because it's hilarious that they're crying to Howard Beck about this. Like, which teams could it possibly be? Um, I, who knows, but probably Cleveland and Detroit, I would imagine. And look, I think Blake Griffin has been nice for Brooklyn. Uh, the, the, the Nets beat the Timberwolves 112 to 107, uh, Monday night. And I just wanted to get that game result in there because Blake Griffin, 5.6 rebounds, five assists in 19 minutes. I mean, that's what we're talking about right now. It's, yeah, it's, and, and, and so look, solid it, contr- a contribution, not great. Solid contribution came off the bench behind, uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan and played some alongside Jeff Green. I actually like that look for Brooklyn. He had some uh, Blake Griffin had some sly passes that we've known him to make. Uh, he's going to the ground a lot. He's hustling, and it kind of feels like at least for now, fresh office buyout. He's sort of embracing that role of you know what I'm not gonna I don't need to be dunk contest Blake Griffin or or like live at the the comic book the comic book store Blake Griffin. I could just be hustle guy Blake Griffin and so that's going to be interesting but if ultimately what he is is a hustle guy and we're all up in arms for a guy who just is the guy who dives for loose balls and gets you five points on one of three shooting or whatever it was um you know it's just a whole lot to do about nothing uh coming up Russell Westbrook joined Magic Johnson and Oscar Robinson with his insane stat line on Monday but first David tell them about locker room the episode is brought to you by Locker Room. It's the first social audio platform made for sport, sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA or college basketball. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns. You can argue whether or not the buyout market is actually a big deal or not. So go download the free Locker Room app now. Currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. So download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, it's changing the way we talk about sports. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Uh, It's time for our game of the night, and we head to Boston where the Celtics fell to the Pelicans 
115 to 109. New Orleans almost blew a 17 point lead. They had a 110 to 94 edge with four minutes to go before Boston scored 13 points in a row, making it 110 to 107 after Jason Tatum's step back three pointer with 51 seconds left. But the Pelicans managed to hold on. Zion Williamson scored 28 points. And the story, however, is that the Celtics again dropped to below 500. Here's Locked On Celtics host uh, John Corrales with more. Hey there, John Corrales here at the TD Garden where the Boston Celtics tried a big comeback against the New Orleans Pelicans, but it fell short. Marcus Smart is the story of this game because in the third quarter, he had one of the worst stretches that I've ever seen, uh, including a massive brain fart on a weird jump ball that you just have to see to believe. And then later in the fourth, he had one of the best stretches that I've seen, and it was a pure Marcus Smart winning plays moment. And then he turns around a little while later and gets ejected. So Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of this team, and we saw, for better and for worse, how that impacts these guys. I'm going to talk about it on the Locked On Celtics podcast, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. David, if Marcus Smart is indeed the heart and soul of the team, as John said, I guess his up-and-down play explains a lot about why these Celtics have struggled with consistency. When we look at these Celtics, should we just, at this point, uh, just punt on the idea that they're going to get this thing together because it still feels like people in Boston and, and across the NBA are just waiting for the Celtics to put this thing together. And I'm just not, I'm not seeing why, why we think that that's going to happen at this point. I, I just can't dismiss the fact that they are as talented as they are. I mean, they've had injury issues, and I know a lot of teams this season have. And look, they've also had COVID-related issues, and again, lots of teams around the league have. But given the, their success last year, the fact that they still have basically the same roster that they did last year, perhaps even an improved one, although their most recent acquisition didn't exactly live up to the top billing. But either way, I, I, you look at Boston's roster, you look at the structure there, and, and look, Brad Stevens, I know he gets a lot of heat, especially when they were losing and below 500, but overall, he's really gotten the most out of his teams throughout his tenure there, and he doesn't seem like he's getting fired anytime soon. In fact, he's, you know, probably, again, been a very, very good coach during his time in Boston, so if anything, I, I still have high expectations for this team. Like, it's, you know, it's so hard for me in particular covering the Heat because they're always one of these teams that is looked at as a fluke or maybe they just, you know, they have the culture, they have the work ethic that always propels them into being a playoff team. They're, they're never viewed as the more talented team on the floor. But they still have a top 10 player or top 15 player, however you want to look at it, in Jimmy Butler. They've got Bam there. Look at Boston. It's the same thing. Maybe they're not as talented as Philadelphia or Milwaukee or Brooklyn, certainly. But right now, I mean, they've got all-star level players there. They've got a good cohesive unit. They just struggle at times during the regular season, none of which matters. Once you enter the playoffs, it's a completely different series. You know, you, you have seven games to prove whether or not you can find out an opponent's weaknesses and how to exploit them and I still have faith and and I still respect Boston's ability to be able to expose those weaknesses in an opponent that makes one of us David because I have no faith in them <laughs> I, I'm 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 over well, I know team. you're a big fan of Brent Stevens and everything he does well yeah most overrated coach in the league and uh, <laughs> I, I do think that there's been a pretty substantial uh, talent you know, drain there in Boston. I just don't see that. I, I disagree with the the notion that they are improved in any way. I mean, think about over the years, you go from Kyrie Irving to Kemba Walker, and Kemba Walker has been wow. fine, injured all season long. But 
Ky- like Kemba is not the player Kyrie Irving is. You know, we could argue about the fit and all the and all the locker room stuff or whatever, but Kyrie Irving is an awesome basketball player, and Kemba sure. Walker is just fine. And Gordon Hayward, you replace him with basically nothing, and that's a big deal, right? And I know that he that's was fair. he didn't he never lived up to expectations, but um, you you lose that, and, and then you go from Al Horford to basically who we forget was actually a really good player for them to Daniel, Daniel Tice basically. And now you've gone from Daniel Tice to Tristan Thompson, another acquisition that hasn't quite worked out. You mentioned Evan Fournier there. He goes 0 for 10 for tonight. Uh, and I just don't know that they're making improvements enough. And, and they're relying – I understand that Jason Tatum and Jalen – this is what a Celtics fan would tell you. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're the improvements. Them just developing and getting better. Same with Marcus Smart. Him just getting better, becoming a competent three-point shooter, a, a, a high-level passer, and all these things. I get that. I understand that. But – you need more, and that's it's it's so much to ask of those guys who were always pretty good to make up for the loss of all those other things that we were talking about. And I just don't know that they have the talent anymore. I really don't. I think they're pretty top heavy. And if you ask me, how many of those guys do I trust in um, an Eastern Conference Final series? I honestly don't know if I say more than five players, David, on that team. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's a fair point, and they haven't, haven't exactly proven that they should be considered among the upper echelon at any point soon. But, you know, I, my concern is, you know, Danny Ainge is often ridiculed for being the guy who almost pulls off the trade. And, and this accumulation of talents, I mean, and assets, rather, and, and you're not going to actually use those. Maybe it's being overstated across the country, you know, or, or outside of the Boston market. But you, you have an opportunity – to make a splash, to acquire a more talented player, to really push your ceiling far beyond whatever it has been before, and you kind of whiff on that. And and then I just don't understand what what Ainge is, you know, hold, holding on to this treasure trove of assets for, if not for this opportunity. Like we just every year, there's the almost acquired this player that that he didn't have he seems, quite enough. He seems deathly afraid of the the guy that's just sort of borderline all star, but isn't top ten player in the league, right? Like and it's he, been broken about that he he's not even a particularly. I mean, they've hit on some draft picks, but they've whiffed completely on others too. So if you have all these picks. You know, it's the draft. It's an unprecise science. You, right. you try to go in there, you evaluate a player, and guess what? They don't fit on the team. They have a bad attitude. They have an injury. You never know what could happen. They could all of a sudden wind up being a bust, unfortunately. And if that's the case, what's the point of accumulating this? You have a proven talent, like, say, a Nikola Vucevic, who right. you're this close to acquiring. Instead, you trade a number of picks and players to get Evan Fournier, and he's fine. I mean, I, I like Fournier like to talk to, but I wouldn't necessarily trade anything for a player that has been wildly inconsistent well, you get, throughout you get his whole Fournier, NBA career. Yeah, you get Fournier, who's you know a microwave scorer. You bring him off the bench, and if it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul, because he's an expiring, he's a free agent after the season, so it's not a big deal. You're not committing to anything, and like I said, he's got this this fear of committing to anything that's any player that's not a top ten talent. Right. And and you compare that to a team like Miami, and not to make everything about the Heat, David, but when when you know talking amongst friends, I guess we can. Uh, you they make they go ahead and go get Jimmy Butler. Boston right. didn't want Jimmy Butler right. because he wasn't top ten. You know what Miami did? They found him. They said, "Let's embrace this guy. Let's build around this guy." They they identified the talent that he had, and he led them to an NBA Finals and proved that he could be one of those kinds of players and was a top ten player. Bam Adebayo, all this stuff. They, they invest in guys like Trevor Ariza and Victor Oladipo recently and all the, like, Jay Crowder, players that aren't going to, um, you know, 
uh, uh, grab all the headlines and, and you know quote unquote win free agency or win the trade deadline or anything, but guys who complement and guys who play well, and then he figures out all the other parts uh, afterwards. And you try and you try to hit well and you try to get these veteran contributions and all these things. And it just seems like they don't really have that in Boston. They don't really have that middle crust type of player. It's all you know semi ojale type guys and Jason Tatum type guys, and nothing really in between. It feels like at this point. So. Uh, we do want to move on to our line of the night uh, to lead the Wizards to a 132-124 to 124 win over the Pacers. Russell Westbrook, man, 35 points, 14 rebounds, and 21 assists. David, I couldn't believe it when I saw the stat line. You had to check, and then I realized, oh, it's Russell Westbrook. Maybe this is possible. Uh, this is the first 35-10-20 game in NBA history. It's the third 30-10-20 game in NBA history. He joins Magic Johnson and Oscar Robinson in that club. David, can you still appreciate these sort of box scores from Russell Westbrook, even when he's doing it for a losing team? Absolutely. Like, I I mean, look, I know what the issue with Westbrook is. He's been wildly inefficient for most of his career, especially as he's continued to age. It's no secret. But he still puts up these kind of stat lines every once in a while. And I think now what we're starting to see is that for a guy like Russell, it happened last year in Houston. It's going to happen this year in Washington. It takes him a while. It takes him a while to kind of figure out his comfort spot, his, his, his little zone where he can get these kind of statistics and still wind up contributing to winning basketball like he did tonight. And I think that's – look, the Wizards aren't a great team. They may not even be a play-in team in the tournament. But at the same time, at least they're fighting a lot more than they did early in the year when he was clearly injured, when he was struggling to find his fit there. Now he's a lot more comfortable – He's putting up big numbers as a result, and I think it's helping the Wizards. Just they're a lot more exciting to watch than they were earlier this season. You know, this isn't Bradley Beal holding his head on the sidelines, wondering what the hell he's doing, and then so insisting that he wants to be a Wizard for life. This is a, a little different shades of that, and I, I like I like that Westbrook can still put this. Look, Westbrook is crazy. He's strange. He's very weird. He's a hard teammate to understand, but he's not a hard teammate to get along with. And I think you can still appreciate him as a fan watching him. Mm. Give what effort he has left to give. And, and and if it results in a big night like tonight, all the better. Yeah, he only knows one speed, and it's all out, right? It's just balls to the wall all the time for Russell Westbrook. And that's, I think, something you can appreciate, in especially in this part of the regular season, right, where the, the thrill of the trade deadline is over, and you've got teams trying to make a playoff push, and you've got a lot of teams just trying to finish this thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got nowhere else to go. And the Wizards are one of those teams, and you have to appreciate – uh, Russ for doing it the way he does it because again he doesn't know any other way right. what I think about when I see these sort of things and, and shout out to Stat Muse by the way on Twitter for, for tweeting out those statistics and putting it in historical perspective as they always do um, it, I know that Oscar Robinson was known for a lot of other things and influential in a lot of different ways but I do think for like the casual NBA fan uh, like Oscar Robinson Oscar Robertson's legacy is Oh my God, he did that! Like, like you just these stat lines, these box scores that still stand the test of time and still stand out when you're sort of just going through. And ESPN or StatMuse have these graphics. And you're like, of course, Oscar Robinson did that, you know. And and I think years from now, that'll be Russell Westbrook's legacy. Is you know, he's never going to win a championship. It's never going to. He, he he might not ever go to the playoffs again. I don't know. And, and but he puts up these stat lines, and 20 years from now, 15 years from now, whenever it is, you're going to look back and be like. If somebody can put up Russell Westbrook type of stats, that says something, that means something, and his name is just going to forever pop up in these sort of graphics for years to come. And that's ultimately what his legacy is going to be. 
that's pretty cool. And I can appreciate that at the very least. And that, well, that's the original question. Can we at least appreciate these things? Yeah, I can appreciate that because it, it, it's a special talent. And yeah, he's not efficient. And he does steal rebounds from his teammates and all those things. But you know what? It's fun to watch. And it puts up cool stat lines. And it gives us something to talk about. And that's what his legacy is going to be. And it's fun. Um, how the Lakers plan to use that's I don't want Russell Westbrook on my team by the way I don't want that I just yeah, I, no, I, I like it you appreciate that from Miami a couple yeah, yeah. Of years ago when uh, he was uh, being linked to the team that was not good coming up how will the Lakers use Andre Drummond we have some signs and what the Rockets are saying now about the James Harden trade but first David tell the listeners about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, Wes. Football's over, but the NBA and even college basketball, of course, and the NHL are all in full swing. Major League Baseball is right around the corner. BetOnline covers awards and TV shows, too, reality TV, anything you can think of, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And they've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. And when you're done with that and you make a little money, make sure to go to BuiltBar.com because we've been telling you about it for a while. It's the best-tasting protein bar on the market. It's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing taste, 100% chocolate and all their flavors. But now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. I wonder if you can place a bet about this on Bet Online. Probably. It's Built Bar Madness. We're down to almost the final four except for today's matchup. It's a tough one. I think it might be a little bit tougher for you. Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. That's a good one. I, I'm leaning totally for the Caramel Brownie here. You know how I feel about the Coconut Brownie combination, but I, I get a feeling that you might like this one. Oh, that's one of my top four favorite Built Bar flavors. So, yeah, I'm going all the way there. All right. So if you want to bet on it yourself or, or, or just place a vote, go to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. But remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who's won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar of them all. fantasy basketball advice it's important that you have a reliable source most people trust josh lloyd host of locked on fantasy basketball more than any other fantasy basketball podcast follow the number one fantasy basketball podcast locked on fantasy basketball wherever you get podcasts it's time for nba nba ad libs that's uh, tongue twister that's a different game uh, where we fill in the blanks on key storylines across the league uh, the nba announced monday that the draft will be held on july 29th the draft lottery will be on June 22nd, and then the draft combine will go between June 21st to the 27th. David, this is blank for the NBA. I got to say great. Uh, I, I think it's just a sign of returning to some normalcy. Look, this weird schedule, this weird season between health and safety protocols and the compressed nature of everything, the back-to-backs, all the stress it's put on its players and, and even staff members around the league, now they can start to see – some light at the end of the tunnel. As a society, hopefully vaccinations are rolling out at a much more accelerated rate. And similarly, the league is starting to get back to a similar schedule that they have been following over the last few years. So I think this is a kind of indicator that there is a sense of normalcy somewhere beyond the horizon. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think this is, I was going to say normal for yeah. the NBA, which is That's just right. wonderful in our real lives, right? It's just... Who knew I would be this enthusiastic about them just announcing that the draft is going to be held at a normal time instead of November? 
right? Like we're going to have a, a draft <laughs> in the summer where you're going to be able to say this player signed in the summer as opposed to weird things like, oh, they, he signed in the fall. We're just back to a normal NBA calendar and just props to the league for, for handling it and getting it going. Andre Drummond will reportedly start for the Los Angeles Lakers, according to The Athletic. The Lakers' decision is a blank. It's solid. It's it's unnecessary because Marcus All, I think a lot of people thought he would continue to be the starter and Drummond would come off the bench and sort of be Dwight Howard 2.0 uh, for this team. But Marcus All's been hit or miss. You know, his age is showing this season. I think they want a guy who can just more consistently go out there, rebound, uh, kind of run to the rim, finish lob dunks, and all these sort of things. And and what I think we're going to end up with, David, is instead of Andre Drummond being Dwight Howard. He will be JaVale McGee for this team and just soak up some minutes. He'll be productive. He'll do what you need to do. And then Marcus Saul will be the sort of, you know, end of career phase veteran center coming off the bench. It'll be Marcus Saul sort of reprising the Dwight Howard spot coming off the bench. And of course, they'll still have Montrose Harrell doing Montrose Harrell things uh, for better or for worse. And so, look, I think it was necessary. I think, right, you could, I think Drummond has become a little bit. Um, underrated because of his contract. I'm not going to say that he's ever going to make another all-star team again, but he's just a really solid center. He can get you some rebounds. He can finish some lobs for you. He's a presence in the middle, and that's just what this team needs uh, because it, you know by the fourth quarter, it's not going to matter anyway because you're going to have Anthony Davis playing the five. Well, that's kind of leads to my point because to me, this Lakers decision is inconsequential. We won't see Drummond <laughs> starting in the playoffs. We won't see him closing games in the playoffs. He won't be on the floor. He'll be a nice and big name, just like the other players we talked about from the buyout market that's ruining all the small market teams and ruining their chances of ever being decent teams again. The Drummond's not going to be much of a factor for the Lakers. Like This is a team run by Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and that's clearly the case. Drummond might be a lob threat, but so is Dwight Howard. We didn't see him play beyond the third quarter most of the time for the playoffs last year. I think it's just another big body, another name that a lot of people recognize. And he'll get a ring if the Lakers win it all. And, you know, he'll, he'll be able to move on to free agency. I'm sure the Knicks or the Kings or some other bad small market team will pay him a lot of money and then eventually look to buy him out yet again. Rockets GM Raphael Stone says he would 100% do the James Harden deal again. This on the heels of a 20-game losing streak and trading Victor Oladipo, the centerpiece of that trade, to the Heat. David Stone is blank. I've got three words full of, and I'm just going to say <laughs> lying instead. Stone is lying. <laughs> that is clearly not the truth. Uh, you know, like, what's he going to say? Right? At this point, he's probably fighting for his job. It's been a bad season for him. Did not expect it to be the case. Uh, you know, uh, trading Russell Westbrook, uh, pulling off the trade for John Wall, then trading James Harden later on, and the Depot. It's just none of it has gone right for him. At least you've got Kelly Olynyk putting up big numbers there. I don't know if he's the, <laughs> right. the center. Twenty-five points, team. nine assists, or something in his debut. Yeah, yeah. You build around Kelly Olynyk. Why not? Yeah, I mean, he might not be the centerpiece you expected to have there for the Rockets, but you know what the hell? Make some fun out of it. Enjoy it while you can, Raphael. It's not going to be long. Uh, this was such an awful... Look, I know that if you're a Rockets fan, you're like, well, no, it's about the draft picks. It's about the draft picks. All right, cool. You got a bunch of draft picks for James Harden? Like, the Magic got draft picks for Nikola Vucevic. All you got was draft picks for James Harden. You should have at least gotten a great player out of it. You said no to Karis LeVert, who the Pacers are confident that they could build around. We'll see. We don't know if that's true, but they're at least... He's at least still plays for Indiana. He's at least on the roster. Victor Oladipo didn't last... He lasted a few weeks for you, basically, a few months for you, and then you were shipping him out for Kelly Olynyk. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're talking about here. Avery Bradley and a a, a pick swap with a team that's probably going to be one to you, being better than you are. You traded James Harden for a, a bunch of picks, who which we'll see. And Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley. That's basically what you got for James Harden. We'll see what it, happens with the draft picks. We'll see. That's not it, enough for James Harden. Well, is it the pick swap you generally like a better team saying we want the worst team's pick, not right. the Rockets that are likely to be a, a – No, a, that was that was Raphael Stone just saying, like, look, I got to say something. We got something, <laughs> right? And the Heatle Blake, yeah, pick we'll, swap. Give you, we'll give you a pick swap. That was Pat Riley. Yeah, we'll just give you a pick swap. And Raphael Stone's like, all right, well, whatever, cool. At least I get to yes. put that in the press release. Um, yeah. <laughs> Recently bought out point guard Jeff Teague joining the Bucks is a blank signing. David, it's an unfair signing, and the buyout market is ruining the NBA. No, is I, it Milwaukee a small market team? Milwaukee's a small market. And this is this is it's a small market <laughs> signing, David, and this is what small market teams get. You get washed up, Jeff Teague. I, I heard the reunion with Mike Budenholzer was going to suddenly rekindle the spark on former All Star Jeff League uh, Jeff Teague. Excuse me. Yeah. I, that, personally, that, I don't see it. I, I don't. That know. is I the definition understand. of optimism, if I've ever heard it. And, and uh, better yet, that they had Austin Rivers inked to a deal or mm-hmm. close to a deal, and then they were like, "No, wait a minute, Jeff's on the market. Forget Austin Rivers." What does that say about Austin Rivers and his ability to contribute? I think Budenholzer just went went to the GM's office and and banged the the proverbial table and said, "No, get me back my guy Jeff Teague." Maybe he'll understand why he doesn't get any playing time in the playoffs. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, Austin Rivers doing the Bogdan Bogdanovich, just the about face. You thought you were getting one guy. You end up with DJ Augustine. You end up with Jeff Teague. uh, All right, looking ahead to tonight's game, Sixers at Nuggets. This should be a good one, David. Uh, It'll be our second look at Aaron Gordon. Uh, In his debut for the Nuggets, uh, Denver beat Atlanta. Aaron Gordon played well enough. Uh, Do you think he impacts significantly Denver's title chances? You know, significant is a tough word to define there. To me, it's just we kind of talked about this in context of Miami and other contending teams. Like, you've got to get the right role players there. You know this team is led by Jamal Murray and that Jokic guy. But you get a guy like Gordon that can play defense, that can stretch the floor a little bit, that has enough athleticism to, to you know, go for a, a, a lob to the rim, get a rebound, you know, create a play or at least keep a play alive for you. And that's what you need around this roster. It's always been about Denver's depth or players that didn't really step up. One-way players or maybe even players that aged out like uh, Paul Millsap that weren't able to contribute at the same level that they once did. A guy like Gordon, as young as he is, looking to prove himself after years of being, honestly, on a pretty bad franchise in Orlando. I think it's a great move for Denver. I think he's going to fit in really well there. I'm curious to see how it evolves over the playoffs where Gordon is still relatively untested and not really... Uh, a consistently good player. I mean, he, I mean, he hasn't really had a lot of playoff experience, but I, you know, Denver's run should probably be a little bit longer than Gorn's was going to be in Orlando. I love this move, not just because they get Aaron Gordon, who I still am a little bullish if you put him in the right circumstance, and I, and I think certainly the Nuggets would be as good a situation for him as possible yeah. because he, they have a, such a, def, a defined role and defined need for him but also because of what this represents. It represents a team that sees they have an MVP-type player, Nikola Jokic, and a guy on the rise in Jamal Murray, who we know is a playoff player, right? He is, to use Draymond Green's words in the past, a 16-game player. As good as numbers he puts up, he elevates his game in the, in the postseason. And you're saying, you know what? Let's go all in, right? And maybe Aaron Gordon isn't the great player that, that you need. He isn't maybe the third star, right? But he is... Uh, a significant, he was a high-end role player, a high-end rotation player at right. this point in his career, with upside, no doubt, but right now just a high-end rotation player. 
and you said, you know what, we're going to trade some stuff. We're going to trade an asset. We're going to trade a guy who really liked an art. R.J. Hampton, but you know, but but we recognize we have to go all in right now, and this is the exact kind of deal that Danny Ainge did not make, and right. you see what and Boston just never really went all in, and I love that the Nuggets, as a small market team, by the way, are going are going all in. They're pushing their chips on the table. They are selling assets that they otherwise think are very valuable for a guy who there's some still question marks with, but they think they could put him in the right role, a, specific, a defined role and get the most out of him. And so I love what that represents. They are betting on themselves. They are betting on Aaron Gordon, and, they are, and, and they're, they're going to try to make a run for it. And this is a team that I think in the playoffs, you've got two all-time great playoff performers in Jokic and Murray. Build around them. See what happens. Because once you get into the playoffs, I think this year, more than anything, any, I think anything can happen. We don't know what LeBron's going to look like coming back. We don't know what the like. Can the Lakers stay healthy uh, for that stretch run? I, I still don't believe in the Clippers. You know, I, I'm still not a believer in them. I don't. You know, I don't think Rajon Rondo was enough. So yeah, I think I. I, I anyway, I love them. No, no. I, I, as long as the uh, Nuggets find a way to get Blake Griffin and or LaMarcus Aldridge, they're they're shooing for a title though. <laughs> and it'll be a good test for the Nuggets tonight against the Sixers. So that's a good. That's that's the game to watch. It wouldn't really suggest tuning into any of the other ones uh, i give the move a nine out of ten how about that i love that i don't know what scale we're talking about but that sounds good um that'll do it for us today remember to subscribe to new episodes of locked on nba wherever you listen to podcasts 30 minutes of the nba's top stories every day we'll be back here next tuesday in the meantime you can find me at locked on warriors and david over at locked on thanks for listening